Welcome to SEO 101, your introductory course on search engine optimization. So, turn on your computers, open your minds, grab your mouse, and get ready to get back to the basics. SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm is now in session. Is now in session. Hello and welcome to SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm, episode number 338. This is Ross Dunn, CEO of Step Forth Web Marketing, and my co-host is John Karka, the Vice President of Strategy for Reflexive Media. Nice. I liked how you emphasized co-host there. That was really good. Ah, yeah, yeah. I like to make you feel special once in a while. <laughs> Every once in a while. Just for a moment, anyway. Sure, um, we'll fade by the end of the show. <laughs> <laughs> how are you doing, my friend? I am doing good. How are you? Good. Good, good, good. Yep. Anything fun? Glad to be back on a Monday. Yay. (laughs) I actually went to a Renaissance festival over the weekend. It was quite fun. Oh, that's cool. Did you you eat your food with your hands and all that stuff? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they had the giant turkey legs and the bread bowls full of beef stew and giant pickles and everything you can think of that... (laughs) <laughs> that you could gorge on was there. Oh my God. It sounds like that place in Vegas that's like that or something. What's it called? I've actually been to that. I think the, the the actual Renaissance fairs are much better than that place in Vegas. Oh, is it? No, I've never been. Yeah. Huh. Well, Vegas is a cheap second, right? To that's us. true. Yes. Vegas is a good time. I won't, yeah. I won't argue that. <laughs> Okay, well, let's jump into this. Uh, we got a bunch to share today, um, including a little discussion point, which always takes us a bit of time. So first is uh, an interesting article that came out of SMX East, and it's about, of all things, Bing. I know, we're going to actually talk about who, another browser, who? or another search engine. That's right, it's not a browser. Who is that I don't even... again? I'm trying to remember. <laughs> How do you pronounce it? Bing. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, you're close enough. So... This was actually an SEO-related keynote at SMX East, and the the title was The Quest for Intelligent Search. This is kind of cool in that it gives us a little insight into what Bing's been doing, how much effort's been put into what it's been doing, and uh, the evolution of its search results, because, well, we don't really watch it. Um, (laughs) There's... Very true. <laughs> <laughs> On search engine land, I do res, uh, you know, a, a sample of search results back in 2006 um, and how they were very basic. It was just the good old days, you know, it was just organic. Um, that's it. There was there was no ads, nothing actually at that point. Uh, although, actually, I shouldn't say that. There's another screenshot that shows one with ads, but they didn't all have ads. And they also had no uh, universal search built in. Um then they uh, actually, the odd thing in this article is they don't date all of these images, but this one's obviously more up to date. It shows the uh, the image carousel for movies. So if someone types in a movie, uh, it shows an example of all those. And then definitely universal search, which includes some movie listings within the results, all that. So definitely blended universal search results, whatever you want to call them. And then today, uh, they show what the results can look like. And it's it it's pretty startling, actually, the difference. They show, uh, like, for example, in this, this particular screenshot, the query is, when is a fever too high? And uh, they give, first of all, options to refine your search. Uh, and some of the examples are, when is a fever, 
a fever too high in adults and one is a fever too high in kids. So it allows you to sort of choose which direction you may want to go. Um, then below that are two examples of answers, answers from two sources. So they're trying not to just show one source, which I definitely appreciate. Um, one is from uh, verywell.com and another one is from emedicinehealth.com. And they talked about various opinions on how this uh, can be answered. One actually talks about kids and one actually is about adults. I think that's just by chance, but that's how it is. And then on the right side, they have the knowledge panel for fevers under a medical condition. It's very comprehensive. Now, I'm sure they cherry-picked. <laughs> you think? Were, yeah, <laughs> this is just way too good. And I'm sorry, Bing, you're just not there yet. This is good, though. I, I like seeing this. It's definitely got potential. Um, and another example, they show two, again, a, a double response. And in this, in, instead of just saying these are two sources, this is two what they call perspectives. And this is for the search, though, is cholesterol bad for you? Um, and, uh, you know, if I look at these two quote unquote perspectives, literally, they don't really seem like different perspectives. They're just different ways of answering the question in a way. Um, but uh, from a search perspective, I can see that's about as close as it gets at this stage. And it's pretty good. Um, fan finally, a multi-perspective result, which talks about, uh, from politics, in this case, it was it's about uh, Kavanaugh, and it's uh, it's got a screenshot of or an image of him, and sort of a timeline of events, plus perspectives from different people, and social posts. Uh, anyway, one other thing that you can do is uh, because these are quite in depth, these res results, they're showing that. Uh, in some instances, and the example they provide here is that if you do a query for coffee, is, is coffee good for me? The same content will rank under the query, is coffee bad for me? So often when users do a search for something, they really want both perspectives. And they'll have both in, in that particular outline. Nice. What do you think so far? So far, so good. I'm, I'm actually more interested, and this is one of the articles I actually did read. Thank you. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm actually more I'm more interested in this article about the things that they're they're looking to do to make things different, right? So the their 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 intelligence image search, which is a bit different and actually functions a bit better than Google's, um, is good. Which is why you've been. I think this is pushing Google a lot because you've been seeing a lot of changes in Google image search over the past. Uh, six months or so, and this could be why, because their image search is doing really well. And the one that caught me that I really liked was there's a schema now called claim review mm -hmm. that you can put markup to, that actually shows if something's been fact-checked, which I thought was really interesting. Right there yeah. in the search results, you can you can show fact-checking. But I'm, yeah. I think that could potentially be, I think there's potential for that to be uh, manipulated, but I'm not sure how it works yet, so I can't say. I would guess, uh, of course, as I'm very clearly saying, a guess that these are only from, they would only include this uh, the schema for sites they already trust. So unless the sites get hacked, yeah. I don't know how they'll be too easy to, to, to fake. Like in this case, it says fact-checked by Snopes. Um, 
to be quote unquote quote, false for this particular uh, screenshot they show. Uh, that's great. But, but, that's but awesome. I guess where I'm, I'm thinking about how how does that work? Because if there's a thousand people writing something on this topic that's been fact checked by Snopes, does do all thousand of those if they show up in search results show up with that Snopes? Oh, I see. Uh, yeah. Yeah. See what I'm saying? Or does do only the sites that include the claim review markup get get this markup in the search results? That's what I'm not sure about. Mm, yeah. Interesting. It's a very good question. I don't know. Yeah. But so, so uh, I think that I think they're doing a lot of interesting things, forward looking things. Though, like you said earlier, I'm not. They've got a lot, a lot of catching up to do. <laughs> they do. No, I'm not finished though. I mean, I was kind of impressed by a couple other things here. They're really showing that they're they're at least <laughs> they're trying to show that they're working hard here on uh, working with uh, webmasters as well. But first of all, uh, something to note that is that Bing, of course, su also supports AMP. And, and I agree with this article. Most people forget that, <laughs> including me, because frankly, I don't do a lot of AMP. But um, or Bing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or Bing, <laughs> um, is that uh, they they also s support AMP, but only in the U.S., which seems really odd to me. But anyway, they're only in the oh. U.S. Um, also, in June, uh, the Bing team received feedback that webmasters were finding they were being their their sites were being hit too hard by the Bing crawler. Um, as a result, they worked on improving the processes and reduced crawling levels by as much as 40%. Got to like it when they listen. I yeah. uh, don't think it's a common occurrence, but this is it's nice to see. I think there's a lot of things that uh, Bing is up to. You know, they, they are not by far not the worst search engine out there. They are essentially second, aren't they? Uh, so pretty much, yeah. Good for them. Um, well, unless you count things like unless you count things like Amazon, um, Travelocity as search engines. Yeah, yeah for, as a general second. search engine, though, I think they would be considered second. Sure, certainly are in terms of market share. Um, sure. In terms of yeah. quality, I would say that they're up there too. Uh, I, I not regularly, but I, I occasionally hear about people who who use Bing a lot. Certainly not exclusively because they don't they run businesses in most cases. But and it's not all for all the businesses. <laughs> They do like the result. The results. I think you even said that once, didn't you? You like the yeah, results. Yeah. Sometimes the results are good. Depends on the category you're searching, for sure. Yeah, so it, it's it's different. It, it's like Google is a bit more consistent across niches and categories of searches. So when they suck, they suck across everywhere. Bing is better in some than they are in others. You know what I mean? Which is kind of interesting. Yeah. So when we were at. The uh, recent conference, and I'm drawing a blank right now. Content marketing world. Marketing world. Yeah, um, there was a lot of things about artificial intelligence and social and content marketing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Well, I ran into a, a white paper. I didn't download it, but I just thought it was an interesting topic about artificial intelligence and SEO. Um, and it, it kind of brought up the thought. And I, by the, I know stretch. So do I? expect anyone to believe this is going to be a mastermind session <laughs> we could talk about this for hours i guess and really put some thought on it but off the cuff what do you think artificial intelligence could be done used how how do you think it could be applied to seo well i'll tell you what you give me your answer first because while you're doing this i'm going to pull up a presentation i gave on artificial intelligence and seo a few months um, back to remind me <laughs> um, brother i should just let you talk i'm going to sound like a dolt now um well, actually, I should have read it. You sent it to me. Um, okay, so 
I'm totally t- just spitballing here, but I guess the question also comes down to which way are we looking at it? Are we looking at it from how Google's interpreting a site to what we could do as S- what? How could artificial intelligence help an SEO's day to day grind? Um, obviously, I like that second one. Um, and frankly, I've been not so certain it has much application up until the last couple of years. Now, I wish I had a, a tech department that I could just throw at this because it'd be yeah. fun. It would be really fun to see what you could use it for. I do believe that um, from a sales perspective, it makes me giddy. There's the stuff you could do with something like that, looking for opportunity, um, scanning websites on a regular basis, um, and really just digging through those results. That would be dreamy. And using artificial intelligence, I can only imagine how far you'd get with that. It would be amazing. Um, I know that uh, from a local perspective, uh, Thrive, what is it? Thrive World, Thrive, it's on my phone here. Um, sorry, guys, I've forgotten your name. What is it? <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to wait anxiously for the answer. It's a company that owns Birch, Thrive Hive. And that's where, by the way, David Mim just announced he's moving to. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So um, they, uh, let's see, why would I bring them up? Right. <laughs> they created a Google local tool. That's how my day's going. Uh, a Google local tool that it's free, by the way, that allows you to, uh, well, we'll look at your Google My Business listing and give you information on how to update it and everything. Now, that's probably not a good example of uh, artificial intelligence, but it is a tool um, that, you know, is is making life easier for people. Now, from an artificial intelligence perspective, I don't know of many, or do I know of any? At this point, maybe Moz has some AI built in that really helps anyone at this stage. Yeah, so I found my presentation just to, just to kind of refresh Good. my memory. Yeah, make this this, this, uh, this yeah. show worthwhile now. <laughs> <laughs> and I broke and, and the idea is you know where does artificial intelligence impact SEO? And I kind of broke it down into three categories: one, um, data collection; two, query analysis. And three, data analysis. So, for example, for like um, data collection, you know, where are some of the things that artificial intelligence could have an impact? Crawling in spiders, for example. You know, analyzing crawl budgets, understanding that better. How to more effectively use spiders across the internet. Because think about it, you know, there are so many billions of pages on the internet. An artificial intelligence could that controls crawling in spiders could really nail down and really only get the really important or information pages out there. They'll be able to to look at sites in a way much different than than a programmer would who's programming a spider. So I think that's one place that AI could really help. Um, you know, things like crawl budget analysis and that kind of stuff. Um, navigating comical common comical. They have comical too, but common technical issues on a website, right? You know, all, we, we as SEOs have come across the same technical issues on websites over and over again. We have to fix them. We help people fix them, learn how to fix them. An AI who's controlling a data collection and a, a spider would know these problems and know how to circumvent them and know how to deal with them much better than it would take us. I mean, that that's one of the places where I think, you know, it would help us tremendously from a 
industry perspective, but at the same time, take away some of our bread and butter. Um, and then why not use AI to, to, to do offline data collection that then is incorporated into online search results, right? AIs could do that easily. That, that's And then the second piece for me was query analysis, right? Um, there's a lot of things we all know how hard it is to understand what people are actually looking for when it comes to intent. Um, when they're searching, there's semantic relationships with language, there's contextual placement of language, there's slang, regional dialects. Um, go on over to to the the idea of the the uh, knowledge graph. There's entity relationships. How all these things put fit together, AI would you know have a much much better understanding of that than than we could and we could program ourselves. Um, and I believe I wouldn't be surprised at all. If, you know, I'm not, not surprised. I know that they're already using this, the AI in this aspect of it for sure. Um, mm. And the last piece of me was just, you know, basic data analysis, right? And when we're talking data analysis, it could be things like um, understanding what the content on a web page, what's the difference between a header and a footer? Um, you know, how do you know which pieces of content on a page are, are more relevant to, to the query than other pieces of content on a page? That kind of stuff. Um, there's, if, if you think about the idea of, uh, there's, there's the, I hate using this because Google Brain and Rank Brain and all that get used so, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They're, they're not used correctly in our industry. In most cases, the people who are writing about these things don't understand them as deep as they should before they start writing an article about these things. Um, I know I wouldn't write an article because I don't understand enough, but I know the difference between um, Rank Brain and Google Brain. And, and Google Brain is really deep learning. When you, when you think about how artificial intelligence works, um, the layer below artificial intelligence is deep learning, and that's where Google Brain is. And that piece is really good at understanding data analysis, that, that even to the point where there's no way I could even talk about it at that level. Um, but, but to me, that's where AI is really going to impact us as SEOs and the SEO industry as a whole is those three spaces. Well, um, one thing that you triggered, and I'm not sure whether this is what you were meaning, but one I, I thought was interesting is to ex use AI to analyze how different regions or uh, traffic search and behave on a website, mm -hmm. how they act, react on it, um, and try to infer from that information. Again, this is the sort of thing that would be overwhelming for someone to try and about, maybe a full-time project just to understand, and even then, Oh, you yeah. need uh, hours and hours. That would be fascinating. Uh, again, I don't know how applicable it would be for the smaller businesses or even medium, but definitely large business would be huge. Um, for sure. Analyzing uh, incoming search signals to see how search engines are indexing a site and then try to determine what's driving that behavior. <laughs> that really gets mm -hmm. the old SEO nerd in me going. <laughs> um, I mean, there is a lot of data that Google gets the advantage of, but we don't because we simply don't have the tools to leverage it. But yeah. we're happily giving them that data using Google Analytics. Um, exactly. And I was thinking fantastic. about when we were talking about Bing, I was just thinking about this, and, and this is probably a good time to bring it. What if Microsoft launched an analytics platform? Would that help their search engine? I have to Would think it? right now. Don't they have – Maybe do they not have one? Uh, they, I thought they did, but it was for enterprise maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't think <laughs> they really enough. have – 
I don't think they really do. Not not like we think of analytics that we could just install for a website, like you know, like we do with Omniture and Google Analytics and and some of those more familiar names. I don't think Microsoft has that is is playing in that space right now at a at a at a level that that the average webmaster would see. Yeah, I'm actually looking. Oh, here it is. <laughs> Microsoft Office Analytics and Business Intelligence is probably not the same thing. No. Um, Probably tuning into SharePoint. Oh, dear. This is pretty funny. That's how badly disconnected we've gotten from what they offer these days. Thank you, Google. (laughs) Um, On that note, let's take a quick break and come back. and Maybe we'll finish this thought up. I'm enjoying this discussion, and I hope you are. SEO 101 will be back right after recess. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Okay, class, take your seats and no talking. Recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Welcome back to SEO 101 on WebmasterRadio.fm. Hosted by John Carcutt, the Vice President of Strategy for Reflexive Media, and myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing Inc. So, (laughs) one other thought I had. This is kind of, this would be kind of neat. If there were an index out there that, I guess you can still do this if you have the right technology, but um, essentially an open index that you could port your own search engine to, but someone created an app or some kind of um, web app that you could just plug into your computer uh, that would be a window into that index. And then you could create your own search engine just using or just search the data the way you want to search it, not stuck to Google's particular algorithms. Wouldn't that be fascinating? That would be interesting for sure. But I don't know how useful it would be to just the everyday person, right? You'd have to be a programmer. You'd have to understand. Well, well, no, they'd have to make it into a WYSIWYG thing, you know, some way or another. But And I've seen different ways people do it with coding even, where it's drag and drop or, or something along those lines. But can you imagine it from a research perspective? Hear that? That's the sound of someone trying to steal your crypto. Every day, thousands of hackers online are doing the same. That's why Arculus uses air-gapped cold storage technology to protect your assets. Using our keycard and wallet app to form a protective barrier, 
Arculus insulates you from hackers and puts control of your digital assets back in your hands. Order the first truly air-gapped crypto wallet at GetArculus.com. Value would be enormous. Yeah, uh, for sure. There'd be no restriction of the data that you can find. It'd be an open index. Anyway, it came up while you were talking. I thought, hey, that would be really, really amazing. Because um, there's a lot of data there that we don't see. Uh, and obviously, that's from a purely uh, proprietary perspective. But if there was an open index, kind of like an open directory project that actually worked, uh, except in this case, it was indexed. <laughs> an index, pretty fascinating. Anyway, there you go. Someone up there can build that and and not make any money on it. Yeah, it would have to be open source. Yeah. A, a company would want to monetize it. A government would want to manipulate it. Yeah, and the problem is, is it would take so much hardware. There's no way you could do it without making money. Yeah, hmm. exactly. Unless someone funded it. Eh, anyway. Or, or Google just decides to be real philanthropic and release their <laughs> database to the world. <laughs> yeah, not since they went public that's ever going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. You know, even if they created older ones, that would actually be neat too. If they created an older version of the web or a snapshot of it, put it somewhere as a sandbox for people to play with and, and just explore. It's called, called archive.org. Yeah, yeah, but you can't look at it this way. <laughs> yeah, archive, man. That's got to be pretty huge by now. Oh, yeah. Uh, anyway, what's uh, next here? Matt Cutts. Yeah, believe it or not, we got Matt Cutts news. Um Apparently, Matt recently gave an interview with a uh, a podcast called the History or Internet History Podcast, and basically he was talking about his history at Google and, and how Google first came up. And it, there's a video of it, um, which I'm going to definitely watch later. I just read, Barry gave us a, basically a, a notes, and from the looks of it, he's really going into Matt's really going into the idea of you know how it happened, how it all came up, where did spam come from? Apparently, Matt's the one that discovered search engine spam, which he talked about in this thing. He basically was doing, his his original job at Google was to build the porn filters. And he, he was working through this, and he found one site that for some reason kept slipping through his filters, and he couldn't figure out why. And he finally did, did the analysis, and he, he, he figured, you know, this, this is we could, they, somebody could manipulate this, and he brought it up to Larry and Sergey, and literally it took them years and years to pay any attention to him um, and his quest to, to deal with this spam issue. So that, that was interesting, though. I didn't know that, that Matt was the guy that actually figured out that someone was trying to spam the engines, that they ignored him for a long time until it, it started to make a difference. So that was it's, it's definitely sounds like an interview worth listening to. Um, mm. On this podcast, I've never heard of this this podcast before, but uh, it sounds like an interesting podcast. Yeah. yeah, it sounds like an interesting one. Oh yeah, and Barry sounds absolutely gobsmacked by the interview, so it must be very good. Yeah, uh, I know he's uh, got a bit of a crush on Matt, so <laughs> does he now? <laughs> <laughs> you know, he does love him. We all do. Yeah, he's gushing over him in this, but um, I'm definitely going to make sure I listen to it. I love. Uh, yeah. listen to that too it could be good YouTube. to hear his voice again and there's a youtube version too actually i'll put the link to the youtube version in the uh the the google plus community and the facebook community since we got to start adding stuff to that here soon too so <laughs> he says uh, matt cut said he mostly unfollowed uh seos on twitter and replaced them with comedians <laughs> <laughs> nice. is there a difference oh, yeah. <laughs> i guess one's better being funny that's great 
Anyway, yeah, it should be a good one to listen to. So next, <laughs> Mike Blumenthal's at it again. I love this. So on Blumenthal's on his hidden blog, uh, that's blumenthal's.com forward slash blog. Uh, there are no links in his site, just so you know. Uh, he's written an article about follow posts, a revolution or just more SHIT thrown at the wall. He loves, as we do, noting how Google just seems to throw stuff at the wall and just let it slide. Or sometimes it sticks, but pretty rarely. Yeah. Uh, and in this case, there is a new feature. I believe it's only within Google Maps. It's that new. Where if you really like a company, you can click follow and you will get sent notifications within Google Maps about uh, their latest Google posts. Again, this Google posts are within Maps. This is a very tight uh, window of notification, and that's part of the problem. There's really not enough people leveraging Google posts for this to be a big benefit yet. Um, And... uh, you know, if I had to go to a right to the end of his discussion, I would 100% agree that I I would put money on it not sticking around. I think it's good a good it's a good idea, and if it was something that people were using more, it'd be fantastic. But I think um, what he's saying here is that places that are really active, let's say an art studio or or, or a, a bar or something that has regular posts, maybe then if someone followed it, they'd find a benefit. But then they'd also be having to check maps for this information. I'm I'm, I'm personally going to be very surprised if posts themselves stick around for very long, just because of the the low threshold. People are just not using them. And, and they, Google's Google's yeah. infamous for getting rid of stuff people don't use. You're right. Yeah, from a pure cut perspective, I think it probably will get cut. I do think it has more legs than they give it credit. But I know they're probably just going to look at the data, yeah. uh, and that's. They've just got too big a uh, machine to run. But yeah, I do believe posts have a, a, a possible, a hope in hell of of being successful if they gave it a shot, uh, a more of a shot. So as I'm hoping as, they won't just give it up. As long as they don't treat it, want it to be treated like social posts and instead more like, um, you know, I guess just just editorial or editorial articles. Cause they want to treat it like social posts, which it sounds like they're leaning towards and saying they're doing this follow post thing. Right. That's not going to work. I just, I don't think people will deal with social in that local environment like that. They would, however, I think if they're going to look at a business and they see five or six posts that this business wrote, they might, you know, if they're deciding to do business with them, go to there or eat at that restaurant or whatever, they're going to read those posts. But they're not going to follow posts and see what's happening at my favorite McDonald's down the street, right? That's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah, but we've got to remember, posts is not like that. It's not about an article. It's about um, uh, an event happening, you know? Yeah, yeah. Tune in. We've got this this the singer coming tomorrow night. Don't miss. Um you know, then there's, you know, you could also have, uh, don't forget Friday nights, this Friday night special, 20% off at the door, uh, whatever. You know, there is a real benefit to this and it's supposed to show up mm-hmm. within the, 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 the local pack, but so, in the knowledge graph though. I'd be also. really interested to know how many of the McDonald's across the, the world <laughs> Um, literally, I'm using this as a perfect example because it's a very localized business, right? Each individual store has its own local um, 
community, right, that, mm-hmm. that they mm-hmm. need to reach out to. So last week, 9,000 McDonald's relaunched the McRib sandwich, right? That not That's not nearly all of them, and that's worldwide. United States, it's still hard to find which stores have launched the McRib and which ones haven't. So there's, there's, a, there's a cult-like following of the McRib sandwich through some weird people, including myself, in the United States. <laughs> And and literally, it's hard to find. And if people, if they had these posts, like you're saying, said, hey, we got the McRib, that would be useful. Except right. I'm never going to look up Google McDonald's in Google Maps because I know exactly where it's at. So I'm never going to see that. Yeah. Well, the benefit here is it doesn't have to be within Maps. But uh, McDonald's isn't using it, at least in Canada, um, post. It would be a fantastic opportunity. And you know they could scale it. Uh, it wouldn't take long for a programmer to set something up that believe there's an API already in place. Yeah. Um, anyway. But, but is it going to reach their audience? I don't think so. Well, it'd be all about whether or not someone's searching for the latest or the local uh, McDonald's. If they're looking for which is the closest McDonald's and it shows up and then it shows below there a post about a special they're having, yes. Okay. I do okay. But think about the percentage of people that are going to search for a local McDonald's, right? Traffic. And, people who are traveling. It, they would. Yeah, okay, that's true. But the percentage of people that do that is going to be in the single digits, if that, right, compared to all the other people searching and searching about McDonald's even. Unless they see that there is a benefit and they can find coupons. Then they'll go to the coupon sites. <laughs> <laughs> I'm God, serious. Who wants to ever go to a coupon site? They're the worst my, things in the world. They've gone my, to crap. My, my wife is on coupon sites every freaking day, so I'm. Uh. trust me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I yeah, I do think it's got legs, and I think that these guys could make it into something, and it would be awesome because I hate coupon sites. I have to go to them occasionally just to find a coupon or whatever, but it just it's always just a nightmare. It's it's like going into a casino. Good luck getting out, <laughs> finding anything that's that you can actually buy. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll tell our we have more than do we have more than one? I know we have at least one coupon site client, so. <laughs> All right. Um, this is what's next here. Google Mobile. Oh yes. Yeah. So so have you heard of Google Discover? They announced it about a month ago, and they finally have implemented it on mobile devices. Basically, what Google Discover is is your your Google homepage is no longer just a search box on mobile. It hasn't reached over to desktop yet, but as we know, everything in mobile is everything starts in mobile now and moves over to desktop eventually. But basically what it is, is you get the search box like you normally do on your Google homepage on a mobile device. But as you scroll down, it recommends content for you, based content that it finds based on, you know, what it sees about your, your personalized search results. You know, things that it knows about you, whether it be from if you're on an Android, um, it may know stuff based on the apps you have installed on your phone which is one of the things it said in this article. So another reason not to go to Android. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. just a raw stick. <laughs> <laughs> I know, you know, you're wrong. It's all good. <laughs> but I think it's interesting that, that Google is finally, at least on the mobile side, decided that they can better use some of that real estate on their homepage. Um, for, for since the beginning, it's only been a search box and, you know, occasionally a, something will show up underneath, you know, a little bit of something, but this is a, a lot more than a little something and it's personalized. Um, I like I, it. W- it will be interesting to see, cause part of what they talk about is, uh, the Google assistant tie into that. If you're using Google assistant, um, there's a potential tie into Google assistant there. And, and also they are even showing Amazon Alexa. So, um, 
that piece of it could be interesting. Um, and that was just an example of Barry's search results, I think. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I think there's a good tie in there, though. I'd be surprised if they didn't at some point. Hmm. Um, and you can turn it off. It's not like you have to have it. There's a way to go in and disable it. But the default setting now is to include Google Discovery on your homepage. Right, I, th I think there'll be, from an SEO perspective, I think there'll be a battle to try to understand how they determine what goes in that Google discovery because oh. that's going to be like, if you could get on that and you're at somebody's Google discovery page, what would you call that? That's even that's not even a search ranking. That's just like, you know, embedded results. It's, it's You've got to be in love. They've got to love you already because it's personalized, right? Yeah. <laughs> So I mean, that's where I would see Google throwing ads. That would Actually, make a lot of sense. That would be yeah. perfect for them. They need to figure out ways to monetize this stuff. And uh, I, if, if, it was, if it was good, it was accurate and reasonable, I would probably not have a problem with it. Yeah. As long yeah. as it was interspersed with truly personalized results that I yeah. want to see. For sure. Yeah. And I do believe they're getting there. I mean, they certainly could leverage the Google Assistant data they're getting to do that. Yeah. Which would be a way to monetize that finally uh, a little yeah. more than we can see anyway. Yeah, definitely. And and I think and I don't know what's your thought on the the uh, home assistance with the screens now. Google's screen when it came out, and if they used Google Discover on that screen as mm. a, as a default instead of just having the search box there, would that be awesome? That that's an interesting way to monetize as well. I'm actually addicted to the left swipe on my Android, which brings up. All the latest news and information personalized to me. Yeah, I, I do that on my iPhone too. All the time. I just love it. Too. It's not just okay. Android. We had it first. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's uh, take a quick break and we're going to whip through the next uh, few uh, pieces of news after this. SEO 101 will be back right after recess. Ready to do a podcast for your business? Make that podcast elevate to enterprise level. Let webmasterradio.fm expedite and execute your podcast to build your brand and broaden your customer base. Webmasterradio.fm has worked with the world's biggest tech brands, Google, Yahoo, and Bing, and have worked with fast-growing brands like ShipStation and GoDaddy. Now it's your turn. Contact brasco at wmr.fm and rush your enterprise-level podcast into production at a very reasonable rate. Email brasco at wmr.fm. Webmasterradio.fm. Keep your headphones handy and the feed loaded. We never stop. Do you? Okay, class, take your seats and no talking. Recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Welcome back to SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm, hosted by John Carcutt, the Vice President of Strategy for Reflexive Media, and myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing. Jesus. <laughs> God. <laughs> um. Did, did you take your meds this morning? <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's you, man. You just bring it out of me. All right. <laughs> so uh, next up here, this is really interesting. And it's the fact that Google's featured snippet videos are now overlaying in search results. I have not seen this yet, and I don't know whether or not it's, it's rolled out in Canada. So that's probably why. But um, 
if you see a, a video in snippets, it now plays in there. You don't have to go to YouTube and thus you are skipping out on any advertising on all the things that a person who made a post of the video could be benefiting from. I, I gotta wonder whether or not they're only showing ones that don't have advertising. That's what I would hope. (laughs) So, so since it's playing in Google and you know, um, YouTube is a Google property, what are the odds that they're also counting those views for the for the video producers, right? So they get they get they get paid on a lot of, a lot of different things. One of them, I, I believe, is like views. You know, you make so much so many views, you get X amount of money, kind of thing. I wonder if they count those. Yeah, I mean, it's usually only if the ad is viewed in over a certain amount of time. Um, if the video is being completed, if they've clicked on a link, that kind of stuff. I don't believe there's any co- payment for views. However, maybe they will mount it, uh, you know, give them something back for using this. I wonder, <laughs> if, wonder if the ads are going to show up in this in the in those uh, search results, though, right? Because they yeah. got like the the pre roll and post roll ads, or pre roll is more like nobody stays for post roll, but pre roll ads if they start showing up in the search results as well, then they would get counted. You know what? If I were them, what I would probably do is if it was somewhat significant of a video, I would give you a ten maybe. A percentage of the video and say click here to view more and and, and it continues to play in YouTube at that point that, that way at least that would pull you in interesting yeah they do that they they owe me uh, they, they they listen to the show I'm sure <laughs> yeah we know they do <laughs> oh dear okay uh, link penalties Ooh. yeah th- th- so this was interesting I thought so um, there was a and this probably should have been down in a uh, Mueller file area. But basically, one of the things that we know can happen at Google is you can get a penalty if you abuse rich snippets. And basically, they'll they'll remove your, you know, basically a manual action that will not allow you to show rich snippets um, in the search results. So you can have all the all the perfect coding and everything, but if you've abused it, they'll, there's actually a manual action that will remove your ability to show rich snippets. Well, somebody had asked, um, and uh, actually, it wasn't it was it wasn't John Mueller? It was uh, I can't pronounce his last name. Ashish, Ashesh. Um, anyway, yeah, no. some someone else from Google said basically, there's other types of penalties that if you get them, will also um, have the impact of removing your rich Ooh. snippets, which Ashish. is kind of scary. Ashish, yeah. I'll say, I don't know. Yeah. So it's really interesting to see that. Let's say you got a manual penalty for uh, for buying links. Apparently, that and I'm just using this as an example. Um, apparently, that will also impact other aspects. So not only do you get your standard link penalty, but you also have a penalty that says you're not allowed to have rich snippets, well, which I think is interesting that they're crossing over between those um, and using one one manual action that has basically other impacts on other pieces. It makes good sense, though. I mean, everything's about trust with Google. And if you violate the trust, everything else is going to start falling apart. So, yeah. uh, so if, if you get if you get a, a manual action on, because you can get manual actions at the page level or at the site level, right? So if you get a, if you get a penalty or manual action, you know, in a small section of your site, and all of a sudden your rich snippets disappear off your homepage listings, that could be why. All right. All right. Well, believe it or not, we're ending the show with a, a Mueller file. The heck? It's wow. the first. 
Nice. But it is because nobody put any questions in. You guys got to give us some more questions. Questions, please. We love them. Okay, so John Mueller has asked on Twitter, (laughs) "What do SEOs do?" Oh dear. (laughs) And and to frame it a little better, he was talking about how do you explain what SEOs do to developers, right? (laughs) So, because developers have a different kind of mindset than than normal humans, uh, <laughs> which could be good in many time, cases. <laughs> and it's but so it's, true. <laughs> yeah, but it's a really, really great thread. There's there's a lot of you know well known industry people that responded to John Mueller's Twitter uh, tweet about this and talked about it. I did half the people I know in the industry responded to that that thread. So it's I, I just wanted to bring it up because I think everybody should go read it. But but in, in that theme, what do you think SEOs do, Ross? How would you explain it to your mother? <laughs> how do I do? Oh, you mean how how do I define how, SEO? Well, that's not do, what he's how, talking about, though. No. How do you explain what an SEO does? To do it in a simple manner so that your mother could understand it. Well, I, I really make it simple when I do that. I just say, okay, you know those Google search results? Do you know how people get to the top? Or how do people show up? Do you know how you get those great results? Well, Google looks for the right page, and we make sure that that page is our client. Uh, we make sure that it's very clear that when Google goes to the site, that that site deserves to be in the search results, and yep. that gets some business. <laughs> I'd really it, dumb it down. It, I mean, you gotta be simple, it, right? I do too. It literally took me 20 years to come up with my elevator pitch. You know, what do I do? And it, it, it comes down to three three things. One, we assume it's Google's job to find the best answer to a question. It's an SEO's job to understand how Google determines what the best answer is, then build those best answers for our clients. Done. All right. Nicely said. Oh, you're always so eloquent. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. We're on iHeartRadio. I'm not allowed to say this. Oh, there it is a good, really good thread, though. I'm enjoying just scanning. Yeah, it, it is. It is really good. Yeah, that's great. Well, that's a great way to end the show. <laughs> well, on behalf of myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, and John Carcutt, the Vice President of Strategy for Reflexive Media... Thanks for joining us today. (laughs) If you have any questions you'd like to share with us, please feel free to post them on our Google Plus community page, easily found by searching SEO 101 Podcast on Google. Have a great week, and remember to tune into future episodes, which are at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, every Monday on webmasterradio.fm. Thanks for listening, everybody! (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Oh my god, we gotta get that clip. Uh, (laughs) That was good. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.